Hi, this is The Jay Show, and this is Dr. Jay Smith here in London. I'm with my friend and colleague, Beth Grove. We've worked on uh, for a lot of material we've got already in this show. Now, we're, now we come to a new subject, and the subject we're going to now deal with is the uh, whole thing of God himself. Yeah. Uh, I want to look and do a comparison between the two gods uh, because they really are two completely different gods, aren't they? Yeah. The God of the Quran and the God of the Bible, the God behind these two books. And I hope people don't get confused at that because there is confusion in missions. There's a confusion in many of the churches here in Britain. And I hear over and over again, many Christians saying that we share the same God. I hear many Muslims saying that. How do you respond to that when they do Anyone that? Anyone who makes that claim has not really seriously taken the Quran at its word, nor is it taking the Bible at its word. People who believe this sort of thing tend to be those who are naive about what's written in the text. You just have to look at the character of God to know that they're not the same. You have one God that is considered a Tawheed. He is a oneness. He is an entity that is indivisible. Is that word found in the Quran? The, not no, not the actual word. You can't no, it, not can the you? actual word. The concept, perhaps, or not the word. But with our God, exactly the same. Trinity. We call it the Trinity, and that that is was that coined. Word found in the Bible? That was coined by Tertullian in the second century. But the concept is from beginning to end. Okay. And so we use these words in Islam and Christianity to explain the uniqueness of those two so gods. So you can say Very that different. actually, when Muslims come up to you and they say, "Where is Trinity in the Bible?" Those of you who are having this discussion, go ahead and just put it right back in their lap. Say to the Muslim, "Okay, so you." Believe believe that their definition of God is Tawheed one. Where in the Quran can you find Tawheed? You can't find it in the Quran. And the reason why is because both Tawheed and Trinity are what are concepts to define what we see about God in the Quran and the Bible. And it's very clear that Tawheed is not the same as tri Triune. Triune is three yet one. But even that's not even the way the Bible describes it. The Bible talks about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Muslims try to categorize God as uh, in mathematical terms. Um, they certainly use a mathematical term with the oneness of Allah, but they don't understand that the Bible doesn't categorize God in mathematical terms. He's so much more than that. He's spirit, but he's spirit who can take on flesh. But of course he can because he made science. So he made us. One plus one. Yeah. Probably one times one times one. If you. But don't uh, even use mathematical terms. That's not how the Bible describes it. The Bible talks about Father, Son. Holy Spirit talks about a God who always walked and talked with us, entered time and space, communicated face to face. In, in Exodus 33, it says very clearly that God used to speak to Moses face to face as a friend speaks with a friend yeah. in verse 11. Yeah. Powerful stuff. You don't have any concept of Allah walking and talking with mankind or speaking face to face, except there is an anomaly, a very strange anomaly in the, in the Quran where it talks about Moses approaches a burning bush mm -hmm. and he says, sees that there's a fire in the burning bush and a voice speaks and tells him to take off his shoes because it's holy ground. And then it says in the Arabic, min fi, that um, Allah is talking about, he from speaks within. from within the bush. That means that he's speaking his presence, not just his presence, but something tangible of Allah is on earth. It's the one anomaly or the one um, strange idea that's in the Quran that's been borrowed in from a biblical source somewhere. It's been borrowed in or Jewish source. Well, I'll tell you, and they have Exodus 3. Exodus 3. This is in Surah 20, yeah. Ayah 10 to 14. It's also found in Surah 27. So yeah. both references in both surahs, you have Moses coming towards the bush. He goes to get some fire, to get, bring back some fire. He sees it in a distance. As he approaches in verse 10 of Surah 20, I love it because the voice within the bush, Minfi, uh, min mm -hmm. within, says to him, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground, which suggests that must be God is there. And I always ask my Muslim friend, if this is... 
holy ground, does that mean God is there or he's not there? Can this ground be here be holy unless God's here? And they will be very clear, only where God is can it be holy. So that implies, therefore, that God's in that bush. Now, you can get one step further. If you really want to know if God's in that birth, read verse 14, because there it says very clearly that God says, surely it is Allah who is speaking to you. Now, can anybody claim the name of Allah but God himself? And the answer is very clear, no, only God Well, can the Islamic God, but this is what's troubling about it, is that the Islamic God is speaking from earth, and yet Muslims say he is Tawheed, he is one entity. So that philosophically speaking, if Allah is, is present or his voice is in the bush, because he's indivisible, because he cannot be divided, that means Allah must be in that bush in his entirety. How can any entity continue to be God? If obviously in this case a bush be God if God is one and we'll continue on this because when you look at this and when you unpack it a bit you can see that certainly in 1400 BC when Moses was there talking to the bush the bush is responding to him telling him to take off his shoes saying that he is God himself at that point in 1400 BC at that point God was on earth. Now, I don't want to tell, impose that onto Muslims, but Muslims are going to have a problem with that verse. They can either do one of two things. They can either take that, bush, that verse and tear it out and throw it away, or they're going to have to follow and understand the context of what that verse is saying, which means at one time in history, God did come to earth, according to the Quran. And if he could come to the earth in 1400 BC, then why in the world do they have a problem with God also coming to earth 2,000 years ago when he came in the form of Jesus Christ? So use that verse, both in Surah 20 and in Surah 27, to help Muslims understand that even the Quran admits at one time he did come to earth. Now, here's the point. When Muslims claim to, let's get back to that very first question. When Muslims claim that we share the same God or when Christians say that, I, I like to shake their hands. I say, God bless you. I'm so glad you have finally admitted four things. First of all, you have admitted that Allah of the Quran has entered time and space, which you can do with Surah 20 and also Surah 27. Second, you have also admitted that Allah of the Quran is triune. Uh, three, yet one. You have also admitted that Allah of the Quran died on the cross and rose again three days later, and you've also admitted that Allah of the Quran is the Son of God. Boo, I love it, because by that time, they usually pull their hands out of my hand, and they say, no, 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 we didn't say it. I said, yes, you did. If you're going to say we share the same God, you're going to have to let me define who that God is. And my God fits all those four categories. And those are the four categories that we have against Allah of the Quran. They are the four major areas that I will confront. And let's confront them all very quickly. We've already done the first one, that Allah can enter time and space. If he can enter time and space in Surah 20 and in Surah 27, then they should not no problem believing that Allah is the same as the God of the Bible. My God can come anytime he wants. That's going to have a problem for Muslims. They will not like that because that means that limits God. He, how can he become a, I remember um, when I did a debate uh, in Russia, this came out uh, very clearly, but the first question is, please don't say, God became a man. Please, Mr. Smith, don't say that. <laughs> please don't say that. And I told my translator, I said, I want you to tell him right now, shame on you. How dare you say, Allahu Akbar, God is the greater. How dare you say that God is omnipotent, but then you say he can't become a man. By definition, if he become a man, you have not only taken away his omnipotence, but you've also taken away Allahu Akbar. Do not say the two side by side, because if you say he can't become a man, don't call him omnipotent. 
and don't say other word but anymore. Because mm-hmm. my God, if he is truly admit, uh, omnipotent, and my God is omnipotent, I agree with you, the God of the Bible is omnipotent. He can enter because time and space he anytime is. he wants. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, so he can enter time and space and still be all-powerful and all-knowing. He can even limit himself in human flesh and still be all-powerful and all-knowing because he is the triune God. Uh, but if Allah tries to come into time and space, he is no more all-powerful all and all-knowing because Allah in his entirety has to be uh, in that flesh, but not so the God of the Bible. Okay, now let's go to the second category, the triune Godhead. We've already said the Tawheed is not in the Quran, the Trinity is not in the Bible. One of the things I like to do, Beth, the, co- is the, the name, the, the word. Name, the words, and yeah. so that's why yeah. if they're gonna have a problem with the Trinity, then just throw Tawheed right back at them. One of the things I also like to do is I like to get the three major names of God. See, God has 99 names. When you see a Muslim with those beads, those 33 beads, and you see them like the rosaries, there, and as they're going, their lips are moving. What are they doing with their lips they're are moving? They're saying the 99 names. And they're it's repeating a, them. And a way, um, a, a, a sort of a, a, a real dear friend, Muslim friend of mine said that she was going through it because it was pleasing to Allah and it was gonna give her more blessing. It's and that's blessing, they're getting it. barakah by doing that. They're getting blessing that is now being counted and being recorded by the angel on this road to eradicate the, the, the bad deeds in this shoulder. So that's that's part of their salvation by going through those names. Remind them of the f- three major names, the three most important names. Al, um, uh, the, the, you have Al-Rahman, Al-Rahim, Al-Wadud. Those, Al-Rahman, Al-Rahim is repeated over and over again. Blessed, the merciful, and the compassionate one, the merciful. Yeah. That's right in the very first surah. Uh, Bismillah al-Rahman al-Rahim. And that's how you begin the Quran. The Quran is begun with those two names. And over and over, 25 times, you will see those names repeated in that fashion. Bismillah al-Rahman al-Rahim. Bismillah al-Rahman al-Rahim. So there's something important about being merciful, something important about being compassionate. And I like to add, well, well dude, that's what I love the most because that one's the loving one. But that's not the one Muslims would focus on. We as I Christians want to bring that would, in Christians because they always say that. that God is loving. And I say, okay, if God is loving, that's one of his 99 names. Is he compassionate, merciful, and loving? Are those three names, are they eternal? And how will they answer that? Uh, for Muslims, it would be very difficult because he was always loving, compassionate, and merciful. Who was he loving, okay, no, compassionate, big, no, you're and merciful? Jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. I want to ask. It's just simple. Don't jump ahead now. Is he eternally loving? Is he eternally compassionate? Do these names ev- exist eternally? Yes. Has to. Muslims would, would try have to claim to, yes. that, but it's what a bit difficult What you can do then is, once you have got of that state, that's all you need to do is first, I say, ask him that question. All right, these are his eternal names. That means eternally he has always held these names. That means eternally these names must make sense from the very, well, there is no beginning because Allah is beyond beginning. So if that is the case, then by definition, the the compassionate one, the merciful one, and the loving one, by de- definition, there must be an object to that mercy. Yeah. There must be an object to that compassion. There must be an object to that love. So where was the object of his mercy, loving compassion? That's what's difficult Before for Adam Muslims. And Eve. It's very difficult because in order for Allah to be merciful, compassionate, and loving, he would have to create something because angels are not eternal. Human beings are not eternal. So who did he love? Because he's one entity. If he's one entity, who did he love before creation? Who did he have compassion on before creation? I am going to put a little spanner in this because we have now found at least eight items that pre-exist creation <laughs> that Hutton has found, including the thorn, a throne, including uh, uh, stars, including sky, even um, even uh, 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 as you, as you will see a fish. So he loves objects, and he loves he loves objects. These objects, but that's beyond that. That's beside the point. But what is interesting is there's no other being 
that exists prior to creation. So Allah, Allah is dependent upon his creation to have some of his attributes, to have some of his character. More than that, he is absolutely dependent on them to these names to make sense. So I, that by definition means he can't be one. Because what is he, how, what is the object of his love? See, we don't have that problem with the Trinity, do we? No, because <laughs> the Trinity is all about relational. It's all about love. It's all about eternally being um, responding to, to one another. It, it, there's no philosophical problem with the whole concept of an eternal, loving, compassionate God in Christianity. There is in Islam, even with Allah, to give away his love or to give away some sort of feeling or emotion towards another. Of course, many Muslims have issues with yeah, this. Yeah. They realize there's a f philosophical problem with this that if Allah is to give away his love he's giving something of himself which means he's not entirely that oneness that they've always said but he's giving he to another mm -hmm. by definition if this is eternal what's the where's the other eternally where is the object of his love compassion and mercy but also what where does, is it what does compassion and mercy mean because the bismillah is part of the Islamic prayer that's done over an animal when they slit the throat of an animal that's a strange sort of a compassion the same as when a human being's throat is slit the bismillah is said or the Allah is compassionate and merciful, and then they slit the throats of enemies. There's a very strange view of what compassion and mercy even means in Islam. Okay. So now, we all of that's different from this. us. We don't have a difficulty with this uh, plurality of the Godhead. Yeah. In the triune God, we know that God the Father has always loved God the Son. God the Son has always loved God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit has always loved God the Father. That has always existed. So that plurality within the Godhead is imbued in the triune nature of God. And if that is so, then we who are made in His image, as it says in Galatians, in Genesis uh, for, uh, chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, we're imbued with that nature. That means we're imbued with We're love. relational, we're creative, we live in family, um, we, we, are, we are two, yet one flesh in marriage. Yeah. I mean, the, We're the, social animals. All of the concepts of who God is also is shown through who we are between men and women and, and so on. Muslims are also social animals. They're also loving and merciful. Where do they get it from? If their God is a monad, one, who doesn't exemplify has no capacity for it. Not until Adam and Eve were created would this capacity even exist. Would these names even make sense? That means Allah for these three names is dependent on Adam and Eve, their creation for these names to exist, which means there was a beginning of these names. These are no longer eternal names. That puts a huge onus on Muslims to try to come up with any un understanding of how is it that they're social? How is it that they're loving? Where do these capacities come from? Comes from, from the triune biblical God. God. Triune biblical God. come from uh, a triune God. And here's by going in the back door, you're actually exemplifying and showing how the Trinity now makes sense. But now, let's now look at uh, some other areas of Allah. Some of the things, that's number three. Number two. Number three is that Allah died on the cross. Beth, we've gone through this, we've done this, and this is a huge one. Because if, see, most of us in Christianity, we want to talk about the resurrection. And we always want to prove the resurrection. For Muslims, you're going to have to really prove start the crucifixion. Start with the cross. You've yeah. got to start with the cross. God does not die. This just came up in that same debate. They were so incensed with me that I would not only admit that God could enter time and space and become human and be corrupted as a human. They finally said, well, you mean God went to the toilet? Yes, my God can go to the toilet. If your God can't get, get a bigger God. You mean God can eat? Yes, well, in order to go to the toilet, he has to eat first. So you need both and. And it's very clear that my God was eating with Abraham in front of the tent of Mamre there in, uh, and certainly in Genesis 18. So there was God eating with Abraham. If you believe that your God is a God of Abraham, then you better have a meeting. But then he finally came up to me and says, you mean, Mr. Smith, that God can die? Are you saying that God can die? 
That's the problem for Muslims, mm -hmm. this idea yeah. of God dying. But you see, they're imposing the one entity, the monad is what the philosophical term would be, the, the tawhid, they're, they're imposing that oneness on our God. So if Allah were to die on a cross, if, all he, of did, God would die. if he took on flesh and were to die on a cross, all of Allah would die. So it's an Islamic problem. It is not a biblical problem. As Christians, we have no problem God entering time and space, taking on flesh and dying because of the triune nature of God. But you see, in Islam, it's actually an Islamic problem. It's when not a biblical die, problem. When you die, are you going to cease to exist? Of course, I know because my spirit <laughs> still exists. And also, I, the Bible says very clearly that we will rise again. Our bodies will rise again. So when we so go when into Jesus heaven, died on the cross. Did he cease to exist? No, no he he, he existed. He existed. In fact, the Bible seems to talk about him preaching to people uh, when he died. But see, if you believe that God existed. is everything in his entity and he comes as a human, he take, comes in as creator, he comes in as all of, of what God is. His infiniteness is coming and becoming finite. So if he dies, that means his infiniteness ceases to, he he to be was infinite. Yeah. Eternity And that's why they have a block on this. But they this is interesting. This. We have spirit and body. Yeah. If Allah is one entity, he doesn't even have spirit or body. It means we're even greater creatures than he is. Uh -huh. We have more than him because we're much more complex than Allah is. Well, at least I can go to the toilet. God can't. Their <laughs> God can't. Now, getting back to this and being more serious, it is obvious then that why Muslims always ask us, if God was on earth as Jesus, who was running the universe, you can see why they believe all of God was in the universe. He was coming to earth. That for you, who's going to contain, maintain the universe? And that because is a very real problem. they're imposing an Islamic idea. It is not a Christian problem. All the more reason we've yeah. got to say we're not talking about the same God. Yeah. We know who is contending right around you. The Holy Spirit maintains and does everything while Jesus is on earth. Even He is still there. Even the Holy Spirit is on earth. The Holy Spirit is right here in this room. They need a bigger Holy Spirit. They need a bigger God. They need a bigger Jesus. We're going to get to that uh, in the next part. But then we get to the idea of can God have a son? And this is the fourth problem they have. Can God have a son? Oh, they really do do not like it. And now we're starting to get into the, the, the fifth area that I want to talk about. And maybe this is a good segue to go into that fifth area, and that is Jesus himself. When you come down to it, but, but before we get into the subject, before we leave Allah and Yahweh, I want to bring up one more thing. Historically speaking, Beth, we do know that there's a historical antecedent to Allah, isn't there? We know that historically Allah existed before the Quran used it, right? We know that it existed in the Nabataean period. Uh, we know that this uh, was a yes. god, a Nabataean god. We that know that Allah is pre-Islamic, but not eternal, but he's pre-Islamic because he is a Nabataean, most likely a Nabataean pagan god. And who are the Nabataeans? The Nabataeans were what we now believe to probably be, and this is where all the evidence in history is pointing towards, um, the, the original people who founded the whole religion of Islam. They were a trading um, religion. They, they were in Petra, Jordan. Was the headquarters. The headquarters, they would go from Petra, Georgia, which you can see comes is right at the heart of uh, the crossroads of where you'd come in from Africa, you'd come in um, from Arabia up north, you'd come in from India and Persia, and then from the top you'd come in from Israel and Turkey and so on. It, and it's so real it's, close to Jerusalem, it's just about 100 miles it's right, southeast of Jerusalem. Yeah, it's right where the trade route is. 600 miles north of Mecca. Yeah. So this is not Mecca. This is Petra, the Nabataeans. And the Nabataeans had a god whose name was Hubal. That was the formal name. But uh, we also know that the Nabataeans had another name for God. His generic name was Allah, the God. Yeah. The God, Hubal, the God, Allah. 
that God, Allah, is known quite a bit. There's quite a bit written mm -hmm. about him. Does that God have a consort? Yes, um, there they, they has a Mrs. Allah. Um, a lot. There's a Mrs. Allah. In fact, that's feminine, Alat, isn't it? Uh -huh. And there's a daughter as well. A daughter? Yeah. Al-Malat, and al -Uzza. Most likely. We don't know Most for likely. sure, but it looks from the latest doc documentation. We have a scholar here in London who is actually now unpacking this, has written a 95,000-worded book on this very problem, looking at Alat Al-Malat al al and al -Uzza. That's in the Quran. That's in the Quran. Ooh, two, 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 two. I've heard that before. You've heard it before. Where's Alat Al-Malat and al -Uzza? Yeah, it's, it's in, in Surah 53, Ayah 19 and 20. It's actually in the Quran. This is actually, these are two verses in the Quran that were known as the satanic verses. Now, do you know the story behind the satanic verses? Let me tell you, it's a great story. Here, Muhammad supposedly, this is again the tradition, say that when he was in Mecca, um, he allowed the people to go and worship these three female idols, Alat al-Manat and al-Uzza. And then when he went to Medina, Gabriel, Jibril, came to him and said, naughty, 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 shame on you for doing this. Uh, you have been seduced by Satan. These are satanic verses. These are verses that should not be, and these are known as the satanic verses. Now, historically, that has been well known. Uh, scholars have talked about it for ages. So this is nothing that should yeah. not have surprised, yeah. should certainly not have surprised those who, who, who we bring this up. But these two, these daughters, Alat and Al-Uzza, uh, Al which are Al-Manat, are actually the wife and daughter, possibly the daughter, of Allah himself. These are Nabataean gods, these are pagan gods, and that means that Allah is a polytheistic god. So that destroys any notion that he could be one. And it also destroys any notion that it could be part of the Abrahamic faith. You'll hear a lot of people who um, are rather, in a misguided way, talk about the three great Abrahamic faiths. They mean Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. What they don't understand is that actually, if you look at the God of Islam, he reflects a pagan God. He does not reflect an Ab Abrahamic God. Not only that, but uh, I would suggest that uh, they, they, whole, their whole statement of faith, there is only one God but God and Allah is his prophet. Well, uh, I'm sorry, Muhammad is his prophet. Yeah. I would suggest there is only one God but God, along with Allah and Al-Muza and Al-Manat. That's four gods. You've got a quadrinity right there. We actually know of other, uh, a triune God that we, uh, the Trinity that we have found in the Quran. That's for another time, another place. We're gonna unpack that in other segments. But what we do know is this is a borrowed name. Why did they go back to the real name? And what is the real name for God that we see in the Bible? Yahweh uh, is given at the burning bush where in Exodus 3 where uh, Moses is approaching the burning bush and he, he, he sees the fire in the bush and he says and he, he talks and he asks God who are you what's your name and um, God responds I am who I am my name is Yahweh this is my name to be remembered forever for every generation. God wanted Moses to go down to Israel, uh, Egypt to bring back the Israelites he did not want to go and he tried to get out of it in five five different Moses ways. Moses didn't want to go. Yeah. Moses I said yeah, yeah I meant me uh, God was telling this to Moses. Moses wanted Aaron to take his place. Finally, he turns to God and he says, okay, tell me, as I'm going to go down there, they're going to ask me what God I represent. Yeah. What is your name? So when I go yeah. down there, they will know what God I represent. And the name God gave him at that time in Exodus 3, 15 and 16, 14 and 15, is four letters, Yaha, Waha. Just four letters. Now we can put the vowels in where we want to, and most, most scholars believe it's Yahweh. It could be Yehovah. Uh, we go with Yahweh. 
And then he says, this shall be my name from generation to generation. That means even today, that is still his name, is it not? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, says very clearly in 18, it says that all prophets must come in the name of Yahweh. And every prophet used that name. Jesus And if even they used don't come name. in the name of Yahweh, they will be put to death in the Old Testament. That's in how John serious it was. In John 8.58, he used that name. And the Jews picked up stones to stone him because they knew he was claiming divinity based on Deuteronomy 18. Okay, that's why when you look at these two gods, Yahweh and Ali, they you can see... They knew he was claiming divinity. They, he was claiming divinity, and that's why we're going to go on to Jesus. But we need to stop them. Let's bring it together. What we've seen here is Yahweh and Allah, they are not the same God. They are de they, When you look at Allah, he is this despicable God. The Allah of the Quran is heinous. He deceives. He does all kinds of things that bother me, but yeah. Yahweh is the God I want to introduce to the world. And I hope you all, as you, we bring this part to a close, I hope you all realize that it's important that we do delineate the two different gods. We do not follow Allah. Even though the name Allah in the Arabic Bible is the name that has now been imposed in the Arabic Bible, I wish they had gone back to the real name. I wish all of us go back to Yahweh, and we need to resurrect that name. That is the true God. That is the name we want to introduce, and we want to now go, and in the next segment, we want to talk about Jesus.